Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Greetings, and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate, or you can go to buymeacupofcoffee slash CraigU. All of these links are also in my show notes. And for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by, with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And for $50, everything from the $5, $10, and $20, plus you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to my username, Bairdo37. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash C slash Canadian History X. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. Today, I have a special episode of Canadian History X, and it comes courtesy of Lionel Romaine. Lionel sponsored an episode, and he asked for this topic, which is in honor of his grandmother, Hazel Shackleton, and dedicated to his mother as well. And since it's Mother's Day, he also has a message for his mother. I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my mommy you'll be. Happy Mother's Day. So, let's dive into our look into the Women's Industrial Softball League, of which Lionel's grandmother, Hazel, was a part of. The 1920s was a time of change for Canadian women. After helping the war effort during the First World War in factories around Canada, many wanted to continue working. By the 1920s, a record number of women aged 15 to 34 were moving into the cities and beginning to join the labour force. As women joined the workforce, working in a variety of positions from the service-oriented to factories to clerical, there was also an interesting rise in the concept of employee welfare. Companies began to realize that employee welfare was tied to productivity, and that led to the formation of sports and recreational activities for employees. Companies would begin to sponsor women's sports teams as a result, which provided them with two benefits. 
First, they were able to ensure that the women were breaking up the monotony of the work with something fun, thereby increasing productivity. Second, sponsoring a team led to advertising and projecting a good image to the public. Companies such as Kellogg's, Silverwood Dairy, and Gourmet Eckert's all sponsored women's sports teams. In London, Ontario, now becoming one of the most important cities in Ontario, the population was skyrocketing and women were joining the workforce in record numbers. Kellogg's had even built their first plant outside the United States in the city in 1924. From 1923 to 1935, considered the heyday of the Women's Industrial Softball League in the city, hundreds of women forged long-lasting relationships with teammates and raised the profile of women's sports not only in Ontario, but across Canada. Kellogg's would also sponsor a YWCA Girls Softball League from 1925 to 1929, as well as the major intercity Girls Softball League from 1930 to 1934. Silverwood Dairy sponsored softball teams as well from 1927 to 1935. Rather than be something that was unknown in the area, local newspapers jumped on board and began to report on the softball leagues that had sprung up. Three teams that sprang up during this time were the London Brownies, the Smallmen and Ingram Thistles, and Woolworths. In August 1923, the London Free Press reported on one tournament that had nine teams from Oxford County, Brantford, and London. Before long, the city had two softball leagues with 18 teams. The Brantford newspaper would write about one game played in the community on August 16, 1923, stating, quote, It was one of the most sensational games, where everybody is expectant and on tiptoes, and the break of the game is liable to occur at any moment, end quote. Teams from Toronto and Hamilton would also make the trip to compete against the women's softball teams of London. Teams would even compete against American industrial teams throughout this time. In July 1924, for example, the Cleveland favorite Knits played the London Brownies in front of 5,000 people as part of a Dominion Day celebration. Due to the lack of competition for Cleveland in the United States, the team would often come to London to compete. Carl Barth, coach of one Cleveland team, would state, quote, Canadian girls softball is superior to that played in the United States, end quote. In 1925, the Major Girls Softball League was run by several owners of local businesses and city leaders who owned companies where many of the women worked. That same year, these men would help to establish the Ontario Women's Softball Association. Games were also played to help players who had hit on hard times or had unfortunate accidents. In September 1925, the London Brownies played the Watson Imps to help Gladys Ladd, who broke her leg while playing softball for the Watson team. The Brantford newspaper wrote, quote, The London Brownies are perhaps the best team in Western Ontario today. The fans of the city will no doubt generously respond to the appeal, knowing the unfortunate experiences that crop up in every athlete's life. End quote. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Since we're talking sports, there was always a strong competition and teams wanted to win. Players would be recruited from smaller towns in the area if they had the skills and abilities to help the team win. They would be offered employment or financial support for their education to play. Several women went this route, but the one I'm going to focus on is Hazel Shackleton. 
Shackleton was born on August 6, 1911 on her family's farm. She was one of ten children born to George and Margaret Shackleton. Living on a farm, there was always work to be done, including milking cows, washing milk barrels, taking care of the horses, and much more. This dairy farm prospered, and the family would also operate a country store that offered food, clothing, and other items. It was thanks to growing up in a family of six boys and four girls that she began to learn to play baseball. Her brothers would organize informal games in the fields, and it was there she honed her skill. She would say of this, quote, We skated and we played ball. We made our own softballs. We didn't have money to buy softballs. We took stuff and sewed and kneaded, end quote. When she was 15, she was recruited to play for the Silverwood Dairy softball team. A group of men had seen her play in Dorchester in a game when she hit two home runs. The next day, the men came to her school, knocked on her classroom door, and asked if she wanted to play softball in London that night. Wanting to get permission from her mother or father, she and the men went to the family store. They weren't able to find her father or mother, but her brother was there, and he would say, quote, Ah, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will say that she can go tonight, but that doesn't mean she will ever be able to go again, end quote. That night, Shackleton went to London and practiced for the game. That one game would turn into a stellar softball career that would span years. Of course, Shackleton was not employed by the dairy, and that had to be remedied so she could play for the team. She was soon offered a paid position at the milk bar in the store on King Street to ensure she could play. At first, Shackleton's parents were not in favor of her moving to the city at the age of 15. Wanting Shackleton's skill on the team, the team coach arranged to have her picked up for practices and games and then returned home afterwards. Playing on the team also had its perks, beyond the regular paycheck for working at the dairy. Shackleton would stay, quote, Mr. Silverwood would treat us like royalty. He would take us into restaurants and feed us all, end quote. The arrangement of transportation would only last a few years, and eventually, as she got older, she moved into London. Shackleton played for Silverwood in 1926 and 1927, and then made the move to the Gorman Eckert's Rideau Hall team, where she played in 1928 and 1929. She returned to Silverwood for 1930 and 1931. Going through old newspapers, I was able to find various games that Shackleton had played in. On August 10, 1930, she played third base against the Windsor Shamrocks. The team won 26-11, and Shackleton recorded a triple in the game. During this time, Silverwood was also considered to be one of the best teams in the league. The Windsor Star would write in 1931, quote, The Silverwoods have been touted by many critics as the classiest senior girls softball team in western Ontario, and they are bound to give the local aggregations all they have bargained for in the way of opposition, end quote. In 1930, Shackleton would help lead her team, the Silverwood women's softball team, to the league championship. In the championship game that year against the Kelloggs, Shackleton played third base, getting on base once but recording two outs. In another game on June 21, 1931, she recorded two base hits in the game against the Windsor Shamrocks, which the team won easily by a score of 22-8. Not only did Shackleton light up the diamonds with her play, but the original arrangement to be transported to and from games while she lived outside of London would change her life. One of her drivers was named Gordon Ferguson, and a love between the two would spring up. They would marry on December 31, 1932. Together, they would have three children. Eventually, her marriage to Ferguson spelled the end of her softball career. After her marriage, she and Ferguson moved to Toronto in 1935. Later in her life, she would continue to excel in sports, including five-pin bowling and lawn bowling. She also played bridge and euchre, and while her days of dazzling on the softball diamond may have passed, 
her competition excellence never seemed to disappear. Shackleton would pass away on February 4, 2015, at the age of 103. Asked why she lived so long, she simply replied that a daily breakfast of oatmeal and long walks was what she did. I hope you enjoyed this episode and our look at the Industrial Women's Softball Leagues of London, Ontario in the 1920s and 1930s. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to canadaehx.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseeth, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.